Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. This is Writing Excuses, Season 7, Episode 24, Projects in Depth, The Way of Kings. Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Mary. And Brandon's on the spot today. I'll just go ahead and start, since I know it's going to be the first question, um, and give you an (laughs) overview of the story, just in case. Um, The Way of Kings is an epic fantasy um, set in a world where um, this massive storm hits the world periodically, every couple of days. Like, I imagine as the most powerful hurricane that nature could produce upped a little bit um, to magical, uh, magical levels. Uh, blasts across the land, so it has created a landscape where all sorts of life have to deal with this. Um, it is primarily the story of uh, a couple of characters. One, um, the son of a surgeon who has been drafted in the army, um, then done some, some things that um, ended him up as a slave. And then the um, king's brother, who is one of the main heads of the entire army that this, uh, this man is fighting in, is mm-hmm. a slave in. Now, if you missed the last in-depth episode, what we're going to do is grill Brandon for probably about the next 20 minutes on very specifically why he made the choices that he made. And Mary's going to start us off with a well, question. And I'm also going to warn you, just in case you haven't oh, yes, this, yes. this will be spoilerific. We will definitely be talking about plot points. Um, so when you started this, the, this actually starts with a prologue. It does start with a prologue. It actually has... Three prologues. It has three a prelude prologues? and a prologue. I, um, I'll, I'll start there. It was really yeah. hard to decide where to start this book um, because um, I begin with a character named Zeph who assassinates uh, the king's, the king's uh, Dalinar's brother, the king. And I wanted to do this very evo- evocative, dynamic, action-packed sequence that basically launches a lot of the, the way the characters are acting, particularly Dalinar, his entire, his entire history. This is... Um, his whole story for this book is kind of launched by his brother being assassinated. So I wrote this great scene, and I wrote this whole book, um, and that worked really well. But then my editor came to me and said, you know, one thing we're missing is kind of the epic scope um, that, uh, that a fantasy of this size sort of feels like it needs. You talk a lot about the past. I would like there to be more of a sense of the past. And I agreed, and so I wrote another prologue that was set thousands of years before. And then I said, but do we cut this other one? Do we make it a prologue? I mean, we start with the assassination, and then we jump forward, you know, whatever, 20 years or 15 years, and do we, what do we do? And so I just ended up putting on two prologues, a prelude, a <laughs> prologue to the whole series, and then a prologue to the book, which, by the way, listeners, um, is not really very smart. It's the only, you know, sometimes you have to choose between two bad choices. And the problem with this one is our learning curve in The Way of Kings is inordinately steep. It is huge. Um, even for an epic fantasy book, because we have two prologues and then launch into our main characters during our current time, you have that much more time 
to lose a reader who doesn't have a chance to really dig in depth to a character. And it's basically my biggest worry for The Way of Kings. If someone's going to put down The Way of Kings, they're going to put it down probably in the first five or six chapters when they're getting so many characters thrown at them that they're not having time to invest in anyone. Uh, I'll be honest with you. After the, uh, after the prelude, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, well, it's on. It's on. <laughs> and then... And then when I, I turned the page to prologue, and I thought, oh, <laughs> really? And I read the prologue and realized, okay, the prelude threw down the gauntlet, okay? And then the prologue takes off the other glove and slaps me in the face with it um, and challenges me to read the rest of the book, but I, I was desperate to because mm. those two were, for me, they really, they really drew me in. So I think it was the right decision. Um, the thing that I didn't like, and here's my question. Yes. Um, Shalon. Yes. My least favorite character in the book, because the whole time I'm reading her, I'm waiting for, you know, exposure. It's the storyline of, you know, I've been cheating. You yes. Know, I've, been, I've been lying and cheating the whole time. Um, what were your decisions surrounding her? What were the challenges in getting those chapters likable? Uh, the, big, the big challenge is what I've got going on um, in this book is... I originally wrote a version of The Way of Kings back in 2002, and it was a train wreck. It was a great book. I loved it. It was also a train wreck. You can love a train wreck. The reason being that I had six main plot lines going in six different locations with six different main characters. Um, and I thought this was a good way to write an epic book. And it did feel epic, but it was also, like I said, a train wreck. And so. For this draft, when I came back, that was one of my big things I wanted to fix. And so one of the things I did is that the character who had been in Kaladin's place, he had a different name than he's basically the same person, and Dalinar, I overlapped. So I'm putting them in the same place. I'm making them have to deal with a lot of the same things. Um, and then I'm going to take, you know, the, the, the character. There was another character that I replaced, I took out, but I was going to overlap um, Shalon and Yasna. And then I was going to take some of the main viewpoints and shove them off to later books. So I was really trying to consolidate um, and keep everyone closer together, and I removed some of the viewpoints for later books. But when I was left, I still had Dalinar and Kaladin as main characters being in one place and Shallan off by herself. Um, and the big challenge was I really felt that since we had double time on one, one plot line, that the plot line that was the odd man out was the one that people were going to like the least. Um, mm -hmm. And it generally has been. What, that, that happens a lot in books. Um, when you have viewpoints like this, people will latch onto some, and they'll actually start to resent the character that takes you away from the main plot lines, which mm -hmm. is a big challenge with epic fantasy. Um, what did I do? Well, I tried to make her um, stories very distinctive and different so that if there were things you didn't necessarily like about the Kaladin Dalinar arc, the things that Shallan would be offering you would be different. It wouldn't be some, more of the same in a different place. It would be a distinctly its own story which hopefully would have a better rhythm to it, was my goal. See, and that worked for me because her, at least the second half of uh, Shallan's story, was the ghost story, which yeah. is what, you know, I guess, right. typically me, that's what I responded to. Yeah, she had ghost yeah. stories. She also had, um, she had the, the kind of um, fakery story going on, and, and she also had all of the, um, all of the, the court banter. Mm -hmm. um, Kaladin is dying. Life is jury. Life is awful. Dalinar is... You know, the, the honest, straightforward man amongst a sea of vipers. Um, and Shallan is, we're engaging in court politics and lots of, you know, back and forth and the, the witticisms that I like to write into my stories. And so I felt that that could give her uh, more of her own soul for her story. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask you about Dalinar, but 
first, the first question, uh, you mentioned the learning curve. Yes. And let's hit that really quick, specifically in setting. Yes. Uh, most epic fantasies tend to be Earth analog, like yes. Wheel of Time and Game of Thrones, and you and chose... Mistborn. And Mistborn. Yes. Well, Mistborn, even, even then, Mistborn has is, is got some we weirdness to it, but not it doesn't hold a candle to the weirdness of the planet of Way of Kings. Right. And, you know, all the animals and even the plants are crustaceans. Why did you go down that route and add that extra level of... This is weird. One of my personal, I, I won't call it a hobby horse, but one of my personal desires for fantasy is to be a little more extreme with its um, settings. Um, I feel that science fiction does a fantastic job with this, and fantasy could do just as good a job and have settings that science fiction never could um, because we can break the laws of physics. We can break science. We can, we can do things. We can have a magical component to our, our world. For instance, Way of Kings. I did try to mitigate this somewhat, but we have giant crustaceans. Um, basically, I couldn't make this work without magic. Um, even making the planet 0.7 gravity, even, you know, doing what I did, the size required to have an exoskeleton of that side, they would just crush under their own weight. They wouldn't work. Um, and so I can add a magical component that allow me to have crustaceans the size of buildings uh, that, you know, are cool new monsters to fight or to deal with, or a new aspect. I mean, there's a coolness factor to this for me as a reader when I come across something and say, wow, that's different. Um, I wanted, wow, that's different. Um, and so one of my guiding roles for this, actually, when I was back designing this world 10 years ago now, uh, more than that, 12 years ago, was I started looking at an above the, um, the, the water coral reef because I felt that a lot of the, not necessarily coral reef, but also tidal pools, really tidal pools is what I'm looking at, but also coral reef, I felt that the kind of drifting currents and the water coming in and out was a good analog for these storms because you have such different states you have to survive in. You have to, you have to live in just when things are perfectly calm, but you have to survive an hour or two of these massive storms. And so I started designing creature or plants that would pull their leaves and branches in in the same way that in a coral reef, you know, you, something swims by and they all kind of tuck in um, together because, and I started designing things that lived like tidal pool creatures that, you know, can live out of water or in water for a little while then live out of it and, and stuff like this. And the whole goal, the whole goal was to give a new experience for a fantasy setting. Um, I think you can go too far. I think you can go way too far. Um, and I tend to write my fantasies in such a way that I want my characters to be very relatable, that they are people that you could get to know. And so I don't take my characters to extremes of how a, a new culture might be. Um, and to balance that, I wanted to take my, my setting to an extreme of how a new culture could be. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique, which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Awesome. Yeah. Let's start, stop for a book of the week, if we may. And Mary is going to actually deliver it this week. Yes, um, I'm going to suggest Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert A. Heinlein. Uh, Audible has the unabridged version. Now, you may have read Stranger in a Strange Land before, but the unabridged version is interesting because uh, Heinlein had to cut about two-thirds to a half of the length of the, his original draft in order to get it published. And most people have read the abridged version. The unabridged version has everything that he originally put in, and it's very interesting to compare the two. All right. Okay. Browse out to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start yourself a uh, 14-day free trial membership and download uh, for your complimentary book, uh, Stranger in a Strange Land, unabridged by Robert Heinlein. Who's the uh, narrator? Christopher Hurt. Christopher Hurt is the narrator. So browse out. That's our new... Head out. Oh, he has to do something new each week now. Okay. We've decided. Okay. This is you awesome. Thank you. So we don't Thank you for hanging a lantern on that. I was hoping, I was hoping for a lampshade instead, but no. <laughs> oh, but you're already wearing that. <laughs> and nothing else. Okay. <laughs> Back to the question. Let's talk about Dalinar. Okay. I am in your writing group, and yes. so I, I actually haven't read the published version of this. I just read the, the writing group right. one. And uh, I know, because I was in your writing group the first time around as well, and you've had problems with Dalinar the entire time. He I was have. a character that didn't work for years, and I do think this final version does. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. Um, first version, Dalinar was, was weak as a character. Actually, everybody was basically weak as a character except for Zeph in the first one, which was a problem. It's the villain problem. Um, and so... With Dalinar, I had to struggle to find out really who he was and also make him very proactive. Um, and these were, these were difficult things, making Dalinar proactive, also making him deal with the struggle well. And even in this draft, I can talk specifically about this draft, what was wrong. In this draft, I was going with two things. Um, I started have, wanting Dalinar to sort of start having these visions of the past. Um, during the High Storms, Dalinar has been given visions of the past where he goes and lives life during um, another era to kind of partially to draw the, um, the screen back, I wanted to give more of that epic scope. In fact, I started adding these in as part of partially because I knew we were going to have problems with this epic scope. The, when we read a 400,000 word book, you want to get a sense for the entire world. And so I wanted to show more of the past. And so I started giving down these visions. I also wanted a call to action, which is part of the hero's journey, actually. Um, it's part of good storytelling is some... You know, the hero needs a call to action, something to get them moving. And I wanted to give him a call to action that reflected him as a character. I designed him as a person who um, my original design for him had been this just noble, awesome guy. And that was too boring. And so in this new draft, I, um, I wrote him as a man who had been a tyrant and kind of, a, kind of a not care about much. 
And then he wasn't there for his brother when his brother got assassinated. Um, he was drunk at the high table, and this really changed him. He, he, he became a different person. He started reading some, um, some works of great philosophers um, that, that changed the way he views being a leader and put him into this sort of conflict of, I am no longer a tyrant. I don't want to be the tyrant, um, but what else is there for me? Hmm. Um, and the call to action, therefore, can mirror that change within, within him, desiring and wanting to kind of change his whole society because he's just a reflection of his society, looking at this kingdom that he's part of that used to be known as this grand kingdom full of these honorable knights and things, and now it's just this awful, not awful, but you know, full of vipers, like I said, and allowing him then to make the call, of, um, call to arms. But mixed with that, in the draft Dan read, and this was the big flaw, for Dalinar was I had him also wavering and uncertain whether or not he was mad because of these visions. Um, and that contrast I thought would make him deeper as a character and it actually failed completely because what it did is it made him wishy-washy. It made him spend a lot of his time just thinking about what am I going to do with this? What are, it, he became so introspective that he was uninteresting. Mm -hmm. um, and the fix to that was actually to bring out his son as more of a main character, who had not had any viewpoints in the original draft and you in the published out, draft. You bring out somebody else yes. to call him crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I brought out his son who hero worships his father, who could then say, my father is going mad. I love this man. I have to protect him. But he's also going mad. What do I do? Yeah. And therefore, it becomes an external conflict instead of an internal. And it's good to have internal conflicts, but Dalinar had too many. Mm -hmm. And so moving one externally to his son allowed this big conflict between them that allowed him actually to grow stronger as a character because in external conflict, you know, he had to yeah. forge both of them right. into stronger characters. And it just fixed everything for his character. Yeah, well, and it made the, the madness aspects of Dalinar, which are still in the book, it made him that much cooler because he was essentially embracing that madness yeah. rather than hiding from it all the time. I'm actually curious about, because I know you're an outliner, and you're yes. talking about having, basically, you've got two plots going over here and one yeah. plot going over there. So I'm curious, when you're approaching plotting something like this, mm -hmm. how do you approach that? Or do you plot, like, one of them all the way out and then go back and interweave the two storylines together, or...? <clears throat> great. That's a great question. I, uh, for this one, I actually plotted them all together, but mm. wrote them separately. Oh, interesting. Um, and then wove them together. And so the plotting was done so I could keep everything interconnected because one of my goals with this was also by the end of the book to bring all the plots together. Mm -hmm. um, and we, we really do have three main areas of plot because that's Zeth the Assassin who we follow a little bit. We've got Dalinar and Kaladin, who from the beginning you see pretty early how they're going to mix because they're fighting in the same place. And then we've got Shallan, and by the end, I make what Shallan's been researching, you know, with the coming of the Voidbringers, directly related to where Dalinar is fighting. And then I um, assign Zeth to go assassinate Dalinar in the epilogue. Um, and th that's been building up for him the whole time. And so one of the big goals was bring this all together. And so I plotted them all at the same time. But I did write by viewpoint. Um, I actually, I, I did some weird things with form in this one. I would actually write by viewpoint. I, I broke it into five parts. And I said, okay, part one is going to be Kaladin and Shallan. And I wrote Kaladin part one and then Shallan part one. And then I stopped and said, okay, part two is Dalinar and Kaladin. And I wrote Kaladin straight through and Dalinar straight through to part three. And then I swapped back Kaladin and um, Shallan and then uh, Kaladin and Dalinar. Um, and I actually, if you go look at the beginnings of the parts, I say which characters are going to be in there, which I don't know if people like or not. But my editor hates it. I did <laughs> it because reading The Wheel of Time... Um, I loved it, you know, I love the characters, I love lots of things, but you'll get these big chunks where a character vanishes. 
and I wanted to give readers up front, Dalinar vanishes until part three. You yeah. just get used to that. That's that chunk. This is a new, almost little mini novella for each of these two characters, and Dalinar will be back to do his own in the next part, and I hoped it prepared readers. Interesting. Was, when you went back and, and wove things together, yes. did you wind up, were there scenes that you wound up cutting because you didn't need them? Um, there were lots of scenes that I ended up um, reworking dramatically. There were sections that I cut out mm. of some of those scenes. But um, yeah, it, it, the first revision for me is a big, involves a lot of work doing that, smoothing out the fact that I've often written these sequences separately. And sometimes it's more a matter of pacing. The pacing is um, is what throws off. I don't usually end up with repeated sort of things. I get I get um, thrown off by oh no, we just had this sequence that comes to a big dramatic climax, and then the next um, chapter involves the exact same emotional build up and climax, and that's bad to put right next to each other. So I either have to move this one to later in this character's story, or I have to put something in between, or I have to just rework all the pacing. Yeah. Okay, we've talked about how you chose a very difficultly where to begin this book. Yes. Let's talk about the end. Right. This is your, you know, this is the first of a 10 book series. So you're yes. setting a ton of pieces into place. Right. And this book ends with a big, crazy, out of nowhere cliffhanger, at least for right. me. Yeah. How, why did you make that decision? Um, I do that with a lot of my books. Um, I, um, what I try to do is I try to beginning, middle, end, and then, by the way, here's what the next book's going to be about. The issue with this one is I had beginning, middle, end for, for these three different plot lines going on and then some subplots. And so when it came to the big kind of here's what, where we're going next, I ended up having five of those, which I then <laughs> put together into one big sort of section that became, became my ending. And all that is is boom, 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 boom. Um, here's where we're going. And so we've got almost climax um, cliffhanger overload in that epilogue and why did I do that I just loved them all and couldn't decide that I couldn't cut them um, it may be the wrong move um, but it it's what I did okay so awesome you haven't asked a question for a while yeah uh, it's because it, you know I yep, should ask great. a question to myself <laughs> Good, ask because sure. one of the things that started us off on getting these projects in depth is a question from audience it said can so can someone can Brandon go through step by step how he named things in the Way of Kings? Oh, oh yeah, that that's question. Right. Um, and Oops, so, sorry, listeners, forgot about that. <laughs> naming in the Way of Kings. Um, naming the Way of Kings came for me partially by sounding out cool sounds and wanting them in character names. Um, Dalinar, I've just named. I named him years ago, like fifteen years ago now, and I just like the name. And so I actually took Dalinar's name and I built a linguistics around it to use for that name. Hmm. Um, however, in designing this now 15 years later, the new revision, I realized I wanted to make symmetry a holy sort of thing in this culture. And so I'm like, they got to start naming people with symmetrical names. So that forced me to build a second linguistics for that. And so I said, okay, Dalinar's naming structure, I don't want to abandon this because it's really actually pretty good, is kind of the classical naming structure. And then this is kind of the holy symmetrical naming. And Shalon's name came from that. They named people um, palindromes with one letter off. Um, and so her name would be Shalash if she were the palindromic name, but instead they do, she's named Shalon because, you know, one step from holiness. You don't want your kid to be named a holy name, just something that feels like the holy mm -hmm. name. And you'll look and see a lot of the names are this, um, Sadius and, and whatnot. Um, and so I built cultures. I built naming structures. Zeth came from um, just sounding cool, and then I built an entire cultural name around that. Um, and, yeah, it's just... 
Can, can you yeah. talk very quickly about Kaladin? Because yes. he used to have oh, a good. different name. He did. And most people probably don't know that, and you changed it at the last minute. I did. Um, he had a name, which was Marin, which was his name in the original draft. And it was a bad name for a number of reasons. Number one, I'd tell people it, and they'd say, that sounds like a girl's name. Um, number two, it didn't fit the new naming structures that I'd come up with. Um, and so midway through writing the book, actually like three quarters or 90% of the way through, I decided finally to bite the bullet and come up with a new name. And I went back to the way I'd named Elantris, which was picking a cool word that I like and then seeing if I could make it fit the linguistics of, um, of where, what I was doing. And I realized that the word paladin actually fit the linguistics of the Dalinar naming structure. Um, and so I changed a few things around because I liked that sound of that name. And I made it fit the linguistics, and I named him Kaladin. Awesome. Nice. It's that simple. Let, let's, let's close with right. Mary's question. What yes. are you most proud of in this book? Um, I'm most proud of this book that I would guess it is probably getting Dalinar right because it was such a struggle. Um, Kaladin came out right. He was broken in the 2002 draft, but in this draft, came out right from the get-go. Didn't need to do anything to fix him. Dalinar was a struggle to get right, and he's the character, you know, the first book I wrote when I was, when I was 15 had Dal Dalinar in it. So I wanted Dalinar to be right, and I got him right, so. Writing prompt time, folks. Uh, take a page from Brandon, uh, literally uh, page 320, no. Um, <laughs> take a page from Brandon, take a character of yours who you think, you know, maybe isn't working the way you want them to, and split that character into ah. a character and a foil. Nice. Very nice. Ooh. All right. You're out of excuses. Now go right. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.